Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Cycling Ramble with me, Adam Bailey. And me, Ollie Baisley. So Ollie, the cycling season is now in full swing after the opening weekend of the Spring Classic. I have to admit, I didn't watch uh, really many of the, the, the races this weekend. Um, did you catch any of the races? Yeah, I did. Ca- I caught both of them. Um, it really is the start of the season. As I was saying a couple of weeks back, this is really when us cycling fans, us really, you know, diehards get excited because these are the races that matter. It's been what they call opening weekend up in Belgium or down in Belgium, no matter, uh, depending on where you're from. And uh, yeah, there was some great racing. Um, some of it was a bit infuriating, mostly on the television side and what we got from fans. Um, so starting off with Omelette Pet Newsblad, there, because of the Winter Olympics, which you know I understand is a very important event, um, there wasn't very much commentary on the Omelette Het Newsblad uh, feed. So I watched about 100 kilometres of just racing without no commentary. And let me tell you, racing without Rob Hatch or Ned Borting or whoever the commentator may be, isn't as good as it it really sucks because you know sometimes you might you know be often when cycling you don't concentrate on the screen 100% you might be checking twitter to see what people are saying if there's something that you've missed from the broadcast or you might be preparing something or doing something at the same time and so really when there's no commentary you can't keep track of that whilst multitasking um, and so from my personal perspective I found it really difficult but the racing was great we had an awful lot of attacking um, as you ever do in all of these classics they're always great events you know I think that's why both of us love them so much and Omloop was eventually won by a bit of a surprise rider by Michael Valgren from Astana Um, really Astana after a split in the bunch which was forced by uh, Greg Van Avermaer and some of the lotto riders um, Astana ended up with three three riders in that final, kind of final lead group and they played it perfectly I was about to tweet that they'd done a terrible job um, but Michael Valgren attacked and was really let away no one they kind of gave up I was really disappointed by the bunch in the end um, but he attacked with about one point something kilometers to go and no one really chased him after the likes of Seth Van Mark and other riders had attacked and been chased down furiously um it was kind of like a the bunch just decided that all right we can't chase every single attack we're gonna to have to let well, that one go so Michael Valgren took the win ahead of uh, Lucas Vizinowski from Team Sky I'm really sorry if I got that wrong uh, who was that was a really surprising performance even more than maybe Michael Valgren and then Satvan Mark came third and with the bunch behind it was a really entertaining race um, have you watched Omeloop over the last couple of years because there was a period of time when it was just uh, Team Sky versus Essex Quickstep or the new Quickstep team um, but nowadays it seems to have changed and they've really messed with the parkour over the last couple of years um, and so it was really interesting to see some of the riders uh, be on great form and it translates a bit more towards the rest of the classics now because there's a bit more climbs in the parkour so yeah it was an interesting opening race of the weekend um, what did you did you looking on kind of ahead of that Greg Van Avermaet was in great form do you think that showing so early though is going to be a detriment to his performance later in the season well yes you, you, you say, say that Ollie. but this time last year we were discussing um, Greg, Greg, Greg Van Avermaet and Peter Sagan both won the I think it was the opening uh, races of the or the opening weekend last year Greg Van Avermaet winning on loop then Peter Sagan um, I think really go on to win Kirkern and Brussels yeah. Kirkern the day after whereas this, this year we've not really had that hierarchy that's um, perhaps created because Greg Grognovmar um, this, this this year I think it was 56th in the end but of course it's not about the place it's up, also yeah. about um, the, the, the form and actually this is the first time he's actually failed to make the top six in um, um, uh, 
he, uh, on loop uh, since 2011. So I don't think we should read too much into it because I think if we are, then I think one, one rider to to watch and one rider that has shown that he's perhaps the, the strongest rider out of the uh, almost the, the the ones to watch could be Sepp Van Mar because he was the first rider over the Mur on uh, on loop. Uh, he produced what was a powerful excel- acceleration, which really caused that um, race winning um, at- attack. Um, but he wasn't as involved in Kerner Brussels Kerner on Sunday, but he was seemed to be pre- present in all the key um, selections and set. Van Mark is a very, very talented one day racer. He won on loop in 2012, had a number of top three finishes, including at Paris Roubaix, the Tour of Flanders, and Ghent Van Algen. Didn't have the best of classic seasons last year, only one top 10. Um, but if you're looking on the form, Seth Van Mark is he's always there or thereabouts. He just never can quite. Win. I suppose, yeah, but that's compete what... with the likes of Peter Segal and Greg Robert. But back to your question about will, will Greg Robert suffer? I don't think so, because you look again last year, he was winning the races and him and Sagan were firmly establishing themselves as the strongest riders of the spring, but we didn't really see that this year. There's no real hierarchy that's established. If anything, it's been perhaps a surprising weekend in, in terms of um, the the results and the winners, but also the, the, the top tens or whatever. And I think it, 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 this could be quite an, 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 an open um, spring Classics campaign, which will be very exciting um, to, to 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 see and watch over the the next few few months. Yeah, I think if you look at Greg Van Avermaet a couple of years back, he was a bit like Stefan Mark. Now he was, you know, always in the top of races, but often really missed out. He had many a podium before he actually won a, a major classic. So maybe Stefan Mark is. Uh, kind of in that period as well and that he could potentially come through he looks in terrific form at the moment that acceleration was remarkable when he took Steve R with him um, quickly though the Cannondale or pardon me AF Education First uh, kit is absolutely beautiful in the race itself if you're watching at the weekend it stands out in the bunch so brilliantly and for the colour they deserve so much credit to this colour scheme I'm not sure if that is actually EF Education First like normal colours or if they just chose that to go uh, for uh, the fact that it would stand out brilliantly but yeah you can spot EF riders from so far out and it's really great Um, I thought Team Sky kind of blended in much more than they've used to I thought the Black stood out a bit more. Um, I kind of lost track of them at the weekend, but they did very well. And I think at the start of the weekend, I was really surprised by that team. I thought they might have sent some of the bigger riders. Um, they had a couple reasonable classic riders, maybe you know a couple of their final monument team. Um, but there was an awful lot of riders lacking. There wasn't really any of their four big stars. Well, having said that, they've, they've come away with a second place. And I think that's the, the thing with Team Sky. They may have left their a, a team of classic specialists at home, but in, in, in their place, Lucas... Wazanowski, I think, is that how you say it? We'll go for that, we'll go for that. He put in a real gutsy ride and although at one stage, because I watched watched the highlights, he seemed to be, after he bridged the the, the gap over to the the leaders, he seemed to be hanging on for his his dear dear life but then he was there and he seemed to enjoy this almost second wind in in the finale and he responded to the attack um, from from Van Van Mark to, to finish second and not, only did he finish second on Saturday at Omloop. He also fin- followed this up with an eighth in Kerner Brussels Kerner on Sunday. So a very, very good week weekend for Lucas Wilsonowski and Team Sky. We've mentioned it um, in pre- previous episodes of the Cycling Rumble. They have got some very, very... T- 
talented and a lot of strength and depth when it comes to well, not not only one day races but also the the grand the, the grand tours but He's still only 26 and he might yet become another um, potential star in what an already star-studded Sky Classic squad. And because I'm looking, because to be honest, I hadn't really, I didn't know too much about him before this weekend. So I had a look at his results and actually he did finish fifth at the the Kerner, Brussels Kerner, two two years ago. So he's certainly got some pedigree. I'd be interested now to see how he he follows up his results, how, how he moves Forward because it's a very very good good good, good weekend um, for the, the Team Sky rider and he could potentially um, be an an excellent asset to what is already as I said a very strong Sky uh, squad for the one day races. I think touching on that, you know, do you remember a couple of years ago and Sky got a lot of criticism for not de- developing young riders? But if you look at it recently, you know, Mikhail Kwiatkowski, Wout Pals, Lucas Wisniewski. Um, and there are others as well. Luke Rowe, uh, you could say. Johnny Moscow. Johnny Luke Rowe. Um, Team Sky have got very good at developing young r- riders or riders in maybe in their, you know, early 20s and really turning them into better riders than when they joined. You know, I don't think a second in a cold classic is a very significant result especially in the manner that Lucas did and when how, how he broke away from the pack and the caliber of riders that he was it with so I think really it is a remarkably impressive performance and I think you know if he can keep that form going on then Team Sky are looking pretty dangerous in the classics uh, quick step have lost a couple of riders this year well, you know with Tom Boudin leaving they're maybe not quite as strong as they used to be but trust me they will be very good but Team Sky you know they have potentially Luke Rovey comes back Dylan Valenbaal Ian Stannard Garrett Thomas Mikhail Kwiatkowski Gianni Moscon Lucas Wisinowski and others it's a pretty formidable team and for a team which has never won a cobbled classic or a cobbled, a cobbled monument pardon me um, I think this really could be their year looking ahead um, Luke Rowe had that horrific injury but he's doing much better he's been racing this week at the Abu Dhabi Tour and uh, although you never quite know if they're going to get back to their full health I think if you look at Taylor Finney who was you know the world's best prospect in 2012 and then sadly broke his leg and has never quite got back to the same form um, I think Luke Rowe is maybe a slightly different case of the fact that he's come back so quickly um, is a really good sign. So Team Sky, as usual, will be pretty formidable. And you'd expect that for their budget. You know, you have to consider that at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, it was a fascinating opening weekend. Shall we move on to Kona Brussels Kona? Just before we do, I just want to have a final word on Astana and Michael Valkyrie because I read a story at the start of the weekend, the fact that um, their, their team manager, Alexandra Viknarov, um, said controversial that, Alexander Viknarov. Yeah, said, said that funding for the, the, for the new, new season for Astana had not yet been re- received. And this has really brought into question the future of the team. But having said that, as we already mentioned, you would never have, it did not have the team performance because it was an excellent d- d- display by Aston and like, like Ollie said they placed um, a number of riders in the um, key group after the uh, the selection was made on the Mur and then they then used their um, advantage count because uh, and then Valgrin slipped away inside the final couple of kilometres to w- 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 win the race and I think it is a real shame that we have to have these stories about cycling teams struggling for funding because the amount of money in all other sports I'm not going to mention a name football uh, but um, the amount of other sports and it's a shame that the funding in cycling isn't a shame and it'll be a a devastating blow if if Astana 
the, the future of Astana cannot because they've got some very, very talented riders. And as we saw this weekend, they are capable of a very, very strong team as well. I think, and we've covered this previously, especially when I tried to talk to um, the president of ASO about this very issue and kind of about um, Tour de France entry and franchise ship in the World Tour. There is going to be a lot of uncertainty for a long time. And until the teams really properly get together and collectively bargain, um, like we see in other sports at the moment, uh, that is really the way forward. And there is a start to that. You know, the teams are almost all together. I think at least over uh, half the teams are part of Bellon. And so that organization represents all the teams and it tries to develop things in other ways and provide more value for the teams long term. And you have races like the Hammer Series from that. So I think progress has been made in that space, but absolutely. I think Michael Valgren, um, purely getting back to him as a rider, he was on Tinkoff team for a long time. And I think if you remember a couple of years ago, he was rumoured to be joining uh, Team Sky and there seemed to be a bit of a battle with Astana. And I think as far as I'm aware, Astana had to pay a bit over the odds of what other teams were offering him because I, I think even from most people's perspective, it might be a slightly less attractive place to go in terms of what they reckon they'll get out of development and profile and other things like that that riders care about. So it's great to see that he's do well i'm not hugely bullish on the rest of asana's season i think you know they brought a very strong team to this race and although they might do maybe a podium here or there i'd be very surprised if they won a classic because some of the other teams when they really get all their members together are so strong um but it's great for michael valgren he's still relatively young in his career and he seems to be developing every every year as it goes so he's got a lot more to come yeah, hopefully Astana can find the funding or receive the funding that they need because they are. it's horrible to see any team suffer financially. And also, it's not just about the, the 30 riders or so that need the funding to be paid. It's also the support staff as well. So you're talking about 50, 60 people's livelihoods and lives least, that are, yeah. Yeah, that have been uh, are struggling to, to hopefully Astana um, can get the fa- financial uh, s- support they need um, but it was not only on loop on Saturday it, uh, it was on the opening weekend also in Belgium on Sunday it was the Kerner Brussels Kerner and we actually mentioned the, the, the rider who won a few weeks ago because he, he's certainly has started this, this season strongly and that is Dylan Granovagan of Lotto NL Jumbo because he sprinted to, to take victory in Belgium in the Kerner Brussels Kerner on Sunday um, ahead of Arnaud Damar of FDJ and Sonny Cabellero. Cabrelli? Cabrelli. Cabrelli. Of, of Bahrain Merida. Um, and as I said, I haven't really seen a lot of this, this, this race. Did you manage to catch the race, Ollie? I caught, to be honest, all you need to catch in kind of Bristol Connor is the last bit because it always ends in a sprint. As far, yeah, It's very consistent in that way. Occasionally it differs, but you know the majority of the time is a sprinting race. And I think if you look at the top 10, Dylan Gronovigan is you know a big star and Arnold Damar is a, a monument winner. But after that, the lineup of riders who finished in the top 10, Sonny Colbrelli, Phil Litgart, Justin Jules, John Peter Drucker, and others as well, you know, even down in 10th F, Timothy Dupont for Wanty Group Gobert. There's a lot of uh, pro Conti teams in there, and there's a lot of uh, less well-known riders. I think also, if you think about it, a lot of the sprinters are at the moment are in the Middle East or have just been in the Middle East, and the riders like Sagan aren't there currently. And so I think that's maybe a large proportion about how this race went. It maybe wasn't as well as attended as it had been in previous years. But nevertheless, it was still a really great sprint, and 
Dylan Grunewagen is somebody who seems to have really stepped up this year. He seems, you know, if you just think back uh, over the last couple of months, he, you can really remember him winning way more races than he's done in previous years. And I think sometimes sprinters have these years when they make that final step up. And it's, you know, it happens in all sorts of walks of life. You know, you find that maybe that new diet, that new exercise plan, um, which just pushes you that extra 10% or that extra 5%. And so he's been brilliant this year. And also, I think he's a perfect build for a classics rider because he's never been great at getting over the really big climbs. He's never always had the fastest, purest sprint, a bit like a Marcel Kittel. But he's been a bit more kind of uh, diverse, a bit more able to cover on different sorts of terrain especially with cobbles so I think he could be one to watch later in the classics well of course and he also won the final stage of last year's Tour de France as well in the, the Champs-Élysées he seems to be one of these, these these riders obviously you've got the likes of Mark Cavendish Peter Sigsagan Marcel Kikittle the, the very very top sprinters at the top, top of their uh, Dis- discipline almost then you've got perhaps the Dilly Grunewagen who seizes the advantage where when these riders aren't here like it last, last year's Tour de France after um, Sig- Sagan and Cavendish both had that crash and they were both forced to um, quit for two d- 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 well. different reasons and then Marcel Kittel missed uh, the, the time cut so he ended up having or did he abandon it he abandoned it in the end I think he was, no he was kicked out because he I think he no he did abandon he if abandoned you remember because um, yeah he abandoned he wasn't able to get over the climbs yeah that's right and he, he was ill or had a crash very 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 on the stage and then couldn't complete so he abandoned and then he's uh, Dylan Grunewagen seized the advantage on the final day and again and the thing is he, he's only 24 years old as well so he's got uh, many years ahead of him but he's a spring chicken compared to Greipel yeah now. exactly and this is the thing the sprinters can go on for a long long time with the, the legs but as we've been, over the last few years we've generally known Dylan Grunewagen as a pure a pure sprinter but as you alluded to do you think he could be a rider to watch in the the one one day races because I suppose you don't not many sprinters can also ride the, the the length and also the brutalness yeah. of some of the one day ride the the, the, the the races do you think did Dylan Grunewagen could potentially be a one to watch and a star of the, the spring I think classics? absolutely I think if you can win Colonel Russell Kernan then you definitely have potential because you have you know all the elements in that race and I think really if you break it down to Grunewagen he hasn't been consistent enough over the last couple of years yes he did very well in winning that Tour de France stage but the year before he won so many races in the lead up to the Tour de France and he was hugely fancied by some uh, some pundits out there to take some Tour de France stages and he was absolutely anonymous in that in that Tour de France in uh, not last year the year before so I think he's increasing his consistency which is really important we've known that he can beat the best on his day but now he's really showing it on a consistent basis which is what Kittle, Greipel and Cav and Sagan always do they're always up there in the sprints and if you're up there enough and you're good enough you will eventually win so I think if you also look towards the discipline sprinting you've got to be very quick at the end you've got to be able to recover fast you've got to maybe about sprint a couple of times and often find gaps and move and also be a very big guy ultimately you know you've got to have be quite stocky and that does translate well to the cobbles it's not always necessarily the best if you look at Andy Greipel he's somebody who you might think on paper is built perfectly for the cobbles but he's never done very very well at that cobble classics you know a proper cobble classic so you never quite know with the sprinters it's easier maybe if uh, you know if you look at a Jasper Stoyben who's more of an all-rounder he automatically translates because um just the sort of rider that he is so I think definitely, but realistically, you have to work on it and you have to really target it. I think we are going to see later in the season with Garrett Thomas, who is going to, I think, only Roubaix 
or only Flanders, one of those two, and then going back towards his preparation for the Tour de France. I don't think that's an effective strategy. As far as I'm aware, no one's just kind of dropped in and out of the classics and won one. Uh, Mikhail Kwiatkowski tried to do that a couple of years ago and it didn't work very well. So I think, you know, you've really got to commit to it and really want it. You know, Greg Van Avermaet's been missing out for so many years and last year was his breakthrough year. Same with John Degenkolb. So we'll have to see that how that goes. But he's definitely the right sort of rider. I've seen him very similar to John Degenkolb. And also the, the the sprint that Dylan Grunewagen um, did to win was very, very impressive indeed. He certainly showed his sprinting talent because Arnaud Demar started his sprint and a lot of sprinters might have thought, actually, I'll go and follow him. But he showed incredible composure, Grunewagen did, to, to, to almost... Delay his sprint, yeah, until that right moment, the moment that he thought, I can go past him. And actually, he flew flew past Arnaud Demar, who was quite a quick sprinter. He's certainly not the slowest rider around. He's Well, he's a monument w- winner. And he, ser- he seemed to fly past Arnaud Demar with ease. And to, to take the victory was very, very impressive, not only to take the victory, but also the way he executed executed it as well. Before we move on to previewing the upcoming races, just want a little rant, actually, because... Watch, watching the highlights, something that I've noticed over the past few, few years more than any, and it's continued this year, it is riders avoiding their cobbles and riding on cycle paths or pavements <laughs> because it's becoming an increasing source of controversy in recent years. And again, this weekend at both Omloop and Kerner, Brussels Kerner, I saw television footage again of a number of riders, not not just one or two, the majority of riders, or certainly a large number of riders, breaking the the, the rules and riding on these smooth psychopaths next to the couple of seconds. And to me, it takes away from the... the, It means that they're not cobbled classics anymore. They're just, oh, just nice smooth... Roads and I don't. And the thing is, the UCI regulations say the use of sidewalks, pavements, paths, or cycle paths that do not form part of the course can be punished with a fine or disqualification from the race. But the, the pro- problem is because there is so many riders, riders doing it. What can the the UCI do or the, the race organisers do? Because you can't disqualify all all the the riders. There was an incident? Was it last year at the, at this race when? And Greg Van Avermaet, Peter Sagan, and Seth Van Mark all rode, and they decided not 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 to disqualify them when there was talk that they they possibly would. And it's just, I don't know about you, Ollie, but it seems to be t- taken away from the, the the racing almost because it they co- the the cobbles make it exciting, the potential for uh, punches, the potential for a bit of drama, also the beacon and a catalyst. But by riding along the um, the the cycle paths, surely these these. Cobble classics are no longer turned actually cobble classics. To be honest, I'm not angry at the riders because you know if I was in that position, the cobble, cobble riding over cobbles is hellish, especially for that length of time and that speed. Well, so it's then they decided if, to be become a cyclist. Uh, yeah, but absolutely, come on, Adam. They've been out for so long. You know, if you can take an easy route or if you can have like you know a slight advantage, then you're going to try and take it. It's like following a motorbike. If the motorbike's there, you're going to follow it for the air gap. Realistically, this comes down to again the UCI not having the right policy. Right, uh, or not informing it properly, uh, not not enforcing it properly. Pardon me. And this is a case where they're not enforcing it. You know, the policy's there that you do get disqualified. As soon as they start disqualifying a couple of riders for it, you know, at the start of a race or the first time round a parkour, 
trust me, none of the other riders are going to do it. They, don't, they haven't ridden four hours to be disqualified. So I think you've really got to set the precedent. And we see it in other sports. You know, in football, they say we're going to clamp down on diving this year. And then maybe they increase the clamp downing slightly, but they don't really clamp down on it. And this happens a lot. And they want to try and transition it rather than making a really brutal kind of stop and start. And it is annoying. I understand why it happens, but you really just want consistency. I think, you know, when we saw the you know, the Paris-Roubaix um, level crossing controversy where Bradley Wiggins and other riders went under the barriers when there was an oncoming train and they ultimately uh, neutralised the race to keep everybody together. That was kind of an extreme situation. And after that, they changed the rules and they really like clamped down and said that if anything like that happens again, you're out. Uh, and I think they've got to start being much more you know, strict about this rule. Um, but because it's been like that for so long in cycling, it's one of these things that's going to take a while to change. And I think, you know, it's annoying, but if everybody's riding on that bit, then just leave them be. And as long as everybody's doing it fair and equally, then it's fine. But this is the thing. There was a few incidents that I saw that actually some some riders, the way that they're swerving onto the pavement, off the pavement, it could cause a crash. And I think there might have been a few incidents actually this weekend where it was some certainly close shades. And I think, I'm not sure whether a couple of cyclists didn't actually end up falling because they're swerving obviously they've got fans spectators on the pavement you've got team cars coming through motorbikes on the road and people riders swerving on but yeah certainly um, it's certainly one to watch but there are always crashes at the classics if you're new to this you know every single year there's a huge drama but these could, these could be pre- prevented these are breaking the l- rules of cycling by going onto the pavement and by swerving back off again it's going to cause yeah. cr- cr- I crashes think it's an issue but I think you know it's one. Of, it's one of many issues that the UCI has to deal with at Classics. For, for example, you know, in previous years at Classics, we've seen um, support vehicles hit riders, and you know, motorbikes crash and riders die. And I think that is a much more significant issue that I would like them to see solved first, rather than um, kind of policing that as strongly because I think ultimately you know if Greg Van Avermaet gets kicked out of it although it's annoying the advantage he gained is really probably fairly small you know I think if somebody starts getting a huge advantage from it then you'd police it more strictly but I think like any of these things the UCI is heading in the right direction like we see with barriers and sprinting and also barriers on the side of the road they've gone with the new barriers which kind of with the feet which kind of go outwards and I think you know all these sorts of things they take a bit of time because to be honest you can't always maybe afford every single piece of new barrier or etc some of the cobble sections are so long you can't put barriers all the way along no they're five kilometers long exactly. it's impossible. and so i think you know the sport is moving in the right direction on this but it's just going to take a couple of years for the implementation shall we get on to the weekend's racing with strike yes i was just about to say i'll be certainly keeping an eye out on saturday to see any riders that are going onto the the, the pavements this but it, saturday but it's more the strada bianchi is very 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 famous for the beautiful um, non-cobbled well the cobbled finish but it's all about the gravel roads yeah. up in uh, down there in, I, in Italy and it is stunning it's one of my favourite races of the year if not the yeah, favourite I, I really like it just for the the, the, the the backdrop as well of the, and the, the finish little villages well, and, and the, the finish and town. also actually this year they've got some real real star studded um, it's s- incredible s- start year. list as well you look down the start list the likes of obviously last year's defending or this year's defending champion Mikhail Kiko Otoski, Team Sky, also riding for Team Sky. You've got the likes of Gianni Moscon, who we've seen his talent in the classics. Diego Rosa could be one to watch. Then you've got the likes of Greg Van Avermaet, Pipipi de Sisagan, both very, very talented one-day risers. Tom Dumoulin, Vincenzo Nibali could be one to watch. He's always in the around their top 20 or so in Strader Bianchi. 
Roman Bardet, he could be. That's a bizarre one. I can't seem to. He's too thin. He's he's like Nairo Quintana small. Um, I think he, to be perfectly honest, if you look at the sort of parkour, you've got to be really punchy and you've also got to be a very strong classics rider up to get up until that last and, finish. And this is the thing because I was looking at the pr- previous um, winners of this race, Trade Bianchi, and it's a very difficult race to predict because I'm looking at the, the previous winners and you've got the likes of the classics specialist, the likes of Fabian Cancelar, but then you've also got the um, more... R- Climbers, the more riders who can, bit more of a a ruler type, a puncher kind of rider, because it looked last year likes of Michael Kibbutosti, Alejandro Valverde, Diego Lucy. Not really heard much about him in the last few years. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't pop up and be in contention. Actually, he's been in the news quite a lot recently because he has something in common with Chris Froome. They both um, oh, okay. undergone cell butamol cases. Um, but other than that, yeah, he's he's been relatively quiet since actually that season where he had the cell butamol incident when he was. Uh, blowing the Giro to pieces but yeah for example yeah it, it does vary quite a lot but it, also if you look how Mikhail Kwiatkowski won last year he went out on his own and Mikhail Kwiatkowski is really a rider very similar to Peter Sagan who can do everything so I think putting him in kind of the category of Valverde is a much more different rider but if you especially look at the last couple of years it's definitely the more classics riders who can climb quite well at the finish who do very well but you know realistically I think we've only ever really seen a bunch of three or so or four riders at that finish together because it's quite a, a, a narrow roads going into the finish it's very as well. selective it, is, it so, can be very selective you're right you know Zenik Stebar is a rider who's going to ride for a quick step and I think he's he, always because he shout. did well last year was it he got on the he's done well for a couple year, of years yeah. and so I think maybe it's his time to but win but I think too, it's going to be a fascinating watch on Saturday hopefully I'll have got my work done so I'll be able Prediction? to sit down and watch it oh again it's so difficult race to predict Oh, you've got to look at Greg Van Avermaet, Peter, Peter Sagan, and a Team Sky rider. Maybe Moscow, maybe last year's winner, Mikhail Kowalkowski, or maybe, like you said, Stybar. It's really difficult to oh, call, yeah. but it's going to be one... One, I think it'll be a, a, a rider, unlike last week, where the rider didn't really know about. I think this year, this weekend's race, I think it will be a, one of the... Stars. I'm not going to go for one. I'm going to go for two. I'm going to set two riders to watch um, who you might not automatically consider. Set Van Mark. He climbed so well at the weekend and seems to be on such electric form that I think he could do it. And also, um, also kind of considering that maybe Jenny Moscon. He did so well at last year's Vuelta. He did his season last year was incredible because he finished top five in two monuments, which are kind of completely different in Il Lombardia and Paris Roubaix. So, I think he's a rider to always watch. It'll be a bit controversial if he wins because he's a very polar rising figure in the sport after his last season um, but he's one of my riders to watch especially but the, would he get leadership at Sky that's though? the thing Team Sky have got a lot a number of different cards to play and perhaps they'll use that to, to their advantage like we saw Astana Omloop you put put a number of riders in and then you can use your advantage and play a number of cards and different tactics. It's going to be a, a fascinating watch, I'm sure, on Saturday. Um, just going away from the one-day one races, uh, one of the stage races starts next week and that is Paris-Nice. And it was a thrilling fin- finish last year when Sergio Hay now of Team Sky last year won by two seconds ahead of Alberto Berto Contador literally came to the well seconds it was in the, the second end. time in two years that Contador had lost, lost by a matter of seconds, seconds. it was Sky Riders it was it was a, a thrilling race and looking down the list it's going to be a number of riders to, to watch a couple of riders who I think will be interesting obviously 
Julian Alaphilippe, he was leading, I think it was the leader's jersey last year after winning the time trial. He's had some strong start to the season, um, a, a number of top tens on the, G, uh, the GC. Um, so Sam Ooman of Team Sunweb, looks like he'll lead Team, team Sunweb. Ned, Ned, Ned Bolting, when we interviewed him um, last, last year, he said that he was certainly one, one, a rider to watch this year. Still only 22 years of age. He's had some decent results this year. I think it's interesting to see how Sam Ooman um, does if he gets the, the nod as leader of Team Sunweb. Uh, Jakob Fuchslang as well, um, because with Fabio Aru moving teams, it'll be interested to see um, what he gets this year. The opportunities, um, he won the Dauphiné last year, some good performances as well already this season, a couple of top four finishes in the GC. And then you've got the likes of Dan, Dan Martin, third last year. He was obviously riding for his new team, Peter Kenya. Kenyaka, how do you exactly? Peter Kenner. Peter Kenner, because uh, he always hear different, and I would say Peter It's, it's one of those ones which is difficult to kind of figure out. Um, also, I'm just going to cover my bases. A couple of weeks back, um, when we were talking about the Ruta del Sol, I completely, I know it was the uh, Vata Algarve, I completely ruled out TJ Van Garden, and he did very well. Um, but TJ is race, racing this <laughs> but week. But I'm intrigued to see what P- Peter Kenyak does, because he's been obviously at Team Team Sky for eight years. He'll be given the opportunity, I would think, for... Bora next week. We need to see what he can do when he's got the sole leadership. The likes of Mark Solar as well of Movie Star, then the Mitchell and Scott pair of Esteban Chavez and Simon Yates, and also David De, De La Cruz of Team Sky. I guess he'll be Sergio leading. Hanel. He's um, defending his title potentially. But Wout Powers, I think, could also argue for leadership. He did again. Very Team well Sky got a number of cars to play. And. Uh, Team Sky squad really—they did some great poaching of riders last season, some great signings, and some and very, very talented young riders as well. But they're just strength for depth. You look at their squad at, squad at Strada Bianchi, and then their squad at Paris-Nice. You know, most of the teams here, Michelin Scott, they have a great squad for Paris-Nice. Really, you know, Jaco, uh, Roman Kreuziger, Matthew Heyman, and some other great riders. But they haven't got both of the teams this weekend being outstandingly strong. And I think that's the luxury that Team Sky and the likes of Ethics Quickstep or Quickstep, as they just might be now, um, have is they can send strong strong teams to every single race and I think that's ultimately why at the end of the season you see them have so many wins because they just have such a large chance to win when they send their A team everywhere so yeah it's going to be a fascinating race and then a couple of days after that which we'll get on to next week Chris Froome makes his return at Tirreno Adriatico so yes. we've got a very special episode planned next week so stay tuned for that and uh, enjoy the racing this weekend um, I'm sure our predictions will be vastly wrong but enjoy them nevertheless they, they always are aren't they <laughs> and uh, thank you very much for listening if you enjoy the show please subscribe leave a review on iTunes and tell your friends about us we really appreciate all the support Thank you for listening.